0: Our New Testament passage today picks up in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. All right, so think about Jesus. Who was faithful to him who appointed him just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house, all right? So think about Jesus. Jesus was faithful. Now, think about that. Where would we be if Jesus had not been faithful? Think about that. Where would we be if Jesus had wanted to go play around for a bit? If Jesus had wanted to go to the um, gladiator fights in uh, Sepore, if Jesus had wanted to go to the uh, chariot races in uh, Caesarea, where would we be today if Jesus wanted to kick back and enjoy his life and just kind of look at it all and say, I just want to be happy, I don't want any responsibilities, I don't want any pressure, where would we be huh. Ah. Ah, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, faithful to him, faithful to the father who appointed him. Just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house, this would be God's family. When we talk about the household of faith, we're talking about God's family. But now notice, Jesus was faithful to the Father who appointed him. Now, now, there's something that you got to look at there. Who appointed you into a position? When you became a connect group leader, when you became a pastor, when you became a leader and you were appointed, it's not just the Father. There are people over you in authority that appointed you. And you need to be faithful to the person who appointed you. They trusted you. Ah. They trusted you. They delegated authority and delegated responsibility to you. They trusted you. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. All right. So Jesus is the builder of the family. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Okay, look around this, this condominium that I'm living in right now was was built by somebody. But God is the builder of all things. A local church is built by a pastor, but God is the builder of all things. So there's the builder and then there's talagang the builder. All right. Now, Moses was faithful in all God's house. All of God's family. He wasn't, he wasn't faithful to a portion of God's family. He was, for, he was faithful to all God's family. He wasn't faithful to a few friends in God's family. He was faithful to all of God's family. So I, I teach pastors. You, you can't do what's best for a few friends. You have to do what's best for the whole congregation. Faithful in all God's house as a servant. Now that's, that's a key there. To testify to the things that were to be spoken later. All right, so Moses talked about Moses talked about Jesus. Moses talked about the new covenant. All right, everything he did pointed forward. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Now here is a whole different concept. Now we're dealing with faithful as a son, and we are His house. We, the people of God, are His house. Now I just want to back up here and notice there's there's two levels of faithfulness here. This faithfulness as, as a servant, and this faithful as a son. Now, young people, some of you work for your family businesses, and you know it, it's it's really fun in today's world to make fun of people who work for the family business. But see, your parents look at you with different eyeballs. They they look at you as a son. They look at you as part of the family. There's a different degree of faithfulness coming from one of your children, than from somebody that you hired. Because people who are hired, they can walk away anytime they want and just yeah, go away and speak bad about you for the rest of your life. But a son, now there's a whole different level of faithfulness. So Moses was faithful as a servant. Jesus was faithful as a son. Now, let me take that and apply that for a minute. In every local church, there are people who are faithful as sons. They're sons of the house. You look at people like um, Pastor Rose and Pastor Marlin. You look at Pastor Pagadora and Pastor Alani. You look at um, Pastor Manalo and Pastor Latlat and, and there are others. But, but you look at these people, and you see they're, they're not going anywhere. They're not, they're not serving for the money. They're not there because they have to be there. They're there because this is our family. They're faithful as a son. So as a congregation, you have to understand, we will have pastors who will come and go. Okay, we will have pastors because we are a training church. We're not a, a hiring church, we're a training church. We will have pastors that just don't make it in the ministry. Many are called, few are chosen. I mean, there are always people who desert. Paul went through that a lot. But we also have people that will be going out to pioneer other churches. Sometimes even the sons go out to Pioneer and then then come back in. But I want you to notice that there are people, there are staff in our church that you treat a little differently than you treat some of the younger pastors because they're sons of the house. They're, they're, They're part of us. And there's a whole different level of faithfulness in those people's hearts. And they should get a little more honor and a little more respect. All right. Therefore, the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. So, all right. He said, if you hear his voice, when God speaks, never harden your heart, because that's part of the rebellion. When your fathers put me to the test and saw my works, well, that was a scary thought. For 40 years, therefore, I was provoked with that generation. And I said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. Now, that's a whole generation. That that describes the wilderness wandering, okay? They always go astray in their heart. An entire generation never really got right with God. You've you've heard me teach on this. They never circumcised their children, uh, you know, forgive me, God provided for them. God blessed them all during those 40 years, but they never really turned to God. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now, when you live a, what I call a taking life with God, you're just, you God, you know that God loves you and you just take from him, but you really won't serve him. You're always going to strain your heart. There's a penalty. There's a consequence. And that consequence is you never enter God's rest. It's always, always a struggle in your life. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Now, notice this is to brothers. Red for double warning. This is for brothers. This is for the people of God. This is for the church. He said, hey, Christians, take care, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. And what does that evil, unbelieving heart do? It leads you to fall away. Now, I've watched this happen as your pastor for 40 years. I've, I've watched this. I've watched people's hearts change. And all of a sudden, the heart becomes evil. And all of a sudden, the heart becomes unbelieving. They don't, they don't believe anything that you teach. They don't believe God. They don't believe their Bibles. They, they, they want to have a, a facade of Christianity. I call it Facebook, Facebook spirituality. They want to have a, a Facebook spirituality. But they've actually fallen away from the living God. But exhort one another every day. All right? Every day we should be challenging each other. As long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, Now, brothers and sisters, one of the primary characteristics of the end times is a spirit of deceit, deceitfulness. The deceitfulness of sin. And I want you to notice how hearts change. This is how hearts change. You know, I sat back and watched people in my life, and I went, how in the world did that happen? You know, why did they do that? And you you look at a man who's a good man, and then he goes and does something crazy, and he commits adultery, and you just go, what in the world? Where did that come from? And you don't realize, slowly, his heart was beaten, hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. There was some little secret sin off on the side he was messing around with maybe pornography, uh, maybe homosexual pornography, uh, maybe drinking a little bit on the side, getting drunk when his wife didn't know anything about it. But slowly they get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin and their hearts change. He said, for we share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end See, folks, it's possible to fall away. It's difficult. I, I don't believe in this instantaneous backsliding people that some people do. I, I think it's really hard to get away from God. But Paul is showing you here that there are people that get away from God. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, all right, there's that phrase again. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Okay, so again, he's, he's repeating. He's talking about these hard hearts again. And up here again, so here's a theme, hard hearts. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt, led by Moses? All right, so you've got great leadership. They've seen miracles, okay? They've seen God. They've seen everything, but they still rebelled. You just these 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 weren't these people who rebelled and provoked God. These these were not ignorant people. They'd seen the plagues in Egypt. They'd seen God part the sea. They'd seen the power of God on Mount Sinai. They'd seen it all. Yet they rebelled. It's amazing. And with whom he was provoked for forty years. All right, so. Notice they never changed. He was provoked for forty years. you've got to remember it's one of the if you really want to understand that those forty years of the wilderness, you have to understand they never changed. Was it not with those who sinned whose body fell in the wilderness, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief, the unbelief had no basis except the deceitfulness of sin hardened their hearts. Brothers and sisters, there's more than one reason to live a holy life. When you live a holy life, your heart stays soft. I want you just to think about that. We don't just live a holy life to please God and to do what's right. There's there's an effect upon our life. Staying away from the deceitfulness of sin keeps our hearts soft so that when we hear his voice, we obey his voice. Living a holy life keeps our hearts soft. Now, you, you just, you've just got to get a hold of this, brothers and sisters. There is a benefit to holiness. Faith. And a soft heart. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Testament passage today picks up in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 1. The word that the Lord spoke concerning Babylon, concerning the land of the Chaldeans, by Jeremiah the prophet Declare among the nations and proclaim. Set up a banner and proclaim, conceal it not, and say, Babylon is taken, Bel is put to shame, Merodach is dismayed, her images are put to shame, her idols are dismayed. All right, so these are the gods of the Babylonians. For out of the north, a nation has come up against her, which shall make her land a desolation, and none shall dwell in it. Both man and beast shall flee away. In those days, and in that time, declares the Lord, the people of Israel and the people of Judah shall come together, weeping as they come, and they shall seek the Lord their God. So Jeremiah is prophesying that there will come a time that Israel and Judah, who have been forced to live together in Babylon, That when Babylon begins to fall, and this is going to be a long time from then, that the people of Judah and the people of Israel, the two tribes and the ten tribes, will gather together and come weeping, and they shall seek the Lord their God. Sometimes it's interesting how people come together when they're both going through the same thing. They shall ask the way to Zion. They want to go home. They want to go home to Israel. With faces turned toward it, saying, Come, let us join ourselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will never be forgotten. Wow. Great repentance. My people have become lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. Turning them away on the mountains, from mountain to hill they have gone. They have forgotten their fold. They have forgotten their fold. When when shepherds begin to, this is a strong one now, when shepherds begin to compete for the flock and try to invite people to their little church and they try to build their churches out of other churches, they're they're leading the people astray and they've forgotten their fold. There There is a local church, there is a sheep pen that Jesus has joined every person to. And when you forget your fold, you have problems. And all who found them have devoured them and their enemies have said, we are not guilty for they have sinned against the Lord, their habitation of righteousness, the Lord, the hope of their fathers. So notice you you get out of your fold and you get devoured. This is why we, we stay, we bloom where we have been planted. We we stay in the local church that God joined us to flee from the midst of Babylon and go out of the land of the Chaldeans and be as male goats before the flock. For behold, I'm stirring up and bringing against Babylon a gathering of great nations from the north country, and they shall array themselves against her, for there she shall be taken. Their arrows are like a skilled warrior who does not return empty-handed. Chaldea will be plundered, and all who plunder her shall be sated, declares the Lord. Therefore you rejoice, though you exult, O plunderers of my heritage, though you frolic like a heifer in the pasture and neigh like stallions. Your mother, mother shall be utterly shamed. She who bore you shall be disgraced. Behold, she shall be the last of the nations, a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert. Have you looked at where ancient Babylon is today? Um, last among the nations, a wilderness, a dry land, a desert. That describes Babylon to this day. Because of the wrath of the Lord, she shall not be inhabited and shall be in utter desolation to this day. This ancient city of Babylon is not lived in to this day. Everyone who passes by Babylon shall be appalled and hiss because of her all her wounds. Set yourself in array against Babylon all around all who bend the bow shoot at her spare no errors for she has sinned against the Lord. Raise a shout against her all around she has surrendered her bulwarks have fallen her walls are thrown down. This is the vengeance of the Lord take vengeance on her Do to her as she has done. That's reaping what you sow. Cut off from Babylon the sower and the one who handles the sickle in time of harvest because of the sword of the oppressor. Everyone shall turn to his own people and everyone shall flee to his own land. Own people. Israel is a hunted sheep driven away by lions. First, the king of Assyria devoured him. And now at last, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has gnawed his bones. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Behold, I am bringing punishment on the king of Babylon and his land, as I punish the king of Assyria, and I will restore Israel to his pasture, and he shall feed on Carmel and Bashan, and his desires shall be satisfied on the hills of Ephraim and Gilead. In those days, and in that time, declares the Lord, iniquity shall be sought in Israel, and there shall be none. There shall be none and sin in Judah, and none shall be found. For I will pardon, wow, I will pardon those I leave as a remnant. Now notice, notice, God wipes away sins. This is not just a new covenant truth. God wipes away sins. <laughs> Go up against the land of mathim and against the inhabitants of Pecod, Kill and devote them to destruction, declares the Lord, and do all that I have commanded you. The noise of the battle is in the land and great destruction. How the hammer of the whole earth is cut down and broken. How Babylon has become a horror among the nations. I set a snare for you and you are taken, O Babylon. You did not know it. You were found and caught because you opposed the Lord. The Lord has opened his armory, so God has an armory, and brought out the weapons of his wrath. For the Lord God of hosts has a work to do in the land of the Chaldeans. Come against her from every quarter, open her granaries, pile her up like heaps of grain and devote her to destruction. Let nothing be left of her. Kill all her bulls, let them go down to slaughter. Woe to them for their day has come, the time of punishment. A voice. They flee and escape from the land of Babylon to declare in Zion the vengeance of the Lord our God, vengeance for his temple. They destroyed the temple of God. Vengeance from God. See, vengeance is not ours. Vengeance should only belong to the Lord. This is why you, you never fight back and try to destroy people who are trying to destroy you. You just take the punches. You leave those people with God. Now, the people of Israel could say, Lord, it took you enough time. Yes. Yeah. God's wheels of justice grind slowly. But they do judge finely. Summon archers against Babylon and all those who bend the bow. Encamp around her, let no one escape. Repay her according to her deeds. There's reaping what you sow again. Do to her according to as all she has done, for she proudly defied the Lord, the God of Israel. Reap what sown. Therefore, her young men shall fall in her squares and all her soldiers shall be destroyed on that day, declares the Lord. Behold, I'm against you, O proud one, declares the Lord of hosts, for your day has come and the time when I punish you. The proud one, now look at what he calls the proud one. The proud one shall stumble and fall with none to raise him up. And I will kindle a fire in his cities that it will devour all that is around him. Notice what God calls them, the proud one. Look, folks, please, when God looks upon us, may we be the humble one. Thus says the Lord of hosts, The people of Israel are oppressed and the people of Judah with them. All who took them captive have held them fast. They refuse to let them go. Their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He will surely plead their cause that he may give rest to the earth, but unrest to the inhabitants of Babylon. Wow. Hey, I'm going to give peace to the earth, but Babylon has to fall first. A sword against the Chaldeans, declares the Lord, and against the inhabitants of Babylon and against her officials and her wise men. A sword against the diviners that they may become fools. A sword against her warriors that they may be destroyed. A sword against her horses and against her chariots and against all the foreign troops in her midst. So she hired foreign troops that they may become women. A sword against all her treasures that they may be plundered. A drought against her waters that they may be dried up. For it is a land of images. They are mad over idols. Now here is an important truth. You wonder why the devastation of Babylon was so severe. And why to this day Babylon has never been rebuilt. It is a land of images. They are mad over idols. They just loved idolatry. Therefore, wild beasts shall dwell with the hyenas in Babylon. And ostriches shall dwell in her. She shall never again have people, nor be inhabited for all generations. To this day, that is true. To this day. Thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years. To this day, Babylon does not have people, and it is not inhabited. It's amazing. As when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring cities, declares the Lord's, so no man shall dwell there. Just like no man dwells in Sodom and Gomorrah, no man will ever again dwell in Babylon. And no son of man shall sojourn in her. Behold, a people come from the north, a mighty nation, and many kings are stirring from the farthest parts of the earth. They lay hold of bow and spear. They are cruel and have no mercy. The sound of them is like the roaring of the sea. They ride on horses arrayed as a man for battle against you, O daughter of Babylon. The king of Babylon heard a report of them, and his hands fell helpless. Anguish seized him, pain as of a woman in labor. Behold, a lion coming up from the thicket of the Jordan against a perennial pasture. I will suddenly make them run away from her. And I will appoint over her whomever I choose. For who is like me? Who will summon me? What shepherd can stand before me? Now notice God said, I will appoint over her whoever I choose. God said, I am the one. I am king of kings. I am the one who raises up kings and bring down kings. See, forgive me, but presidents and kings and mayors and governors, people need to understand God rules and reigns. Therefore, hear the plan, all right? So God has a plan that the Lord has made against, against Babylon and the purposes, all right? So God has a plan and God has purposes and the purposes that he has formed against the land of the Chaldeans. Surely the little ones of their flock shall be dragged away. Surely their fold shall be appalled at their fate. At the sound of the capture of Babylon, the earth shall tremble and her cry shall be heard among the nations. What do you say when you read things like this? This is a prophecy about the future of Babylon, the greatest empire in the world at that time. You see they're going to come down. You see the sovereignty of God. You see the causes of their fall, okay? The pride, the images, the mad over idols, the proud one, the destruction of his temple in Jerusalem. You you see the causes. Brothers and sisters, many years ago, Jonathan Edwards wrote a sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Now, much of that sermon, I think, was a little over the top. I admit, I'd, I'd rather preach forgiveness by grace, all right? But sometimes we need to look at these passages in the Old Testament and know that God is good, and God is merciful, and God is forgiving. And God is loving. God is also a God of justice and wrath. Something to think about today. All right. We'll see you tonight, seven o'clock, as we get back into the book of Romans. I think tonight we're going to start on Heirs of God.